Hello, and welcome to episode 37 of Matchet and the Other Guy. I laid out there a little bit there, Kevin, just because with that wonderful evocative thunder in the background, I thought it would be quite nice for our gentle listener to hear that. Atmospheric. Very atmospheric. You know, some people pay a lot for sound effects. We get all our sound effects for free. That's right. The geese never charges anything. No, there's a whole flock of them out there right now, so I wouldn't be surprised if they don't join in yet again, but who knows, they may decide to be quiet today. Well, gentle listener, as you have heard with our atmospheric free sound effects, today is not the most beautiful day, but uh, that's never stopped us doing anything in the past, has it? No. Yeah. So, for those new to our podcast, I'm Steve. Kevin is sitting to my left. We are sitting outside my home on the banks of Lake Wiley in Charlotte, North Carolina. And all we do during this podcast is talk. I never know the subject of conversation. Kevin does. Kevin, what are we talking about today? Well, you and the listener will recall that our last episode was about live theater and such. Yes. Well, this kind of dovetails into that because when we did experience live theater, as a, as a child, and as often through school, and what do you do in school to go do something like that? You go on a field trip. Right. So, right. field trips yeah. are what we're discussing today. Now, I'm giggling because, once again, I love all the subjects that you pick for conversation because they do spark memories, but I have to say, I think you will have experienced way more field trips from school than I ever did because... As we've talked about with comprehensive education in England, we never seem to have an awful lot of money in our education system and school trips away from school were very few and very far between. So start us off, what was your great memory of field trips from your school days? Well, we'll start the early days. Uh, again, you know, we, we did some to, to see theatrical things like we discussed in the last one. Um, always a standard seemed to be uh, the zoo. You'd have an occasional zoo yes, trip. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, and actually, Knoxville, you know, was known for having a world-class zoo. Wasn't um, it? Was no, no more. No, no, it still is. Oh, I mean, okay, it's still, okay, okay. Still, in fact, um, the probably one of, the, one of the most famous people in the, in the zoo industry is Jack Hanna. You know, you probably heard of Jack Hanna. Yeah. You know, I think it's the Columbus Zoo okay. up in Ohio. He's yeah. known for. But as I understand it, he worked at the Knoxville Zoo early on. Did he? So he maybe cut his teeth there or did a number of years there. Yeah. So I think we've got a little claim to fame with him. Um, so we were definitely, you know, known for having a zoo and we would go to, go to that on occasion. Others were, and I can't remember how early we started doing these, but there's always a plan. Every, every uh, city has a planetarium. Yes. And you go to the planetarium yes. and, and uh, see the presentation of that. Yes. So I remember those in, in the school days. And the song they always played was Dust in the Wind by Kansas. Okay. Now again, this was the 70s, maybe maybe early 80s, so yeah. it was right in, in tune, and it just kind of... I don't think we ever went to a planetarium, but again, I don't think we ever went very far at all. Um, I do remember that we visited the zoo, and I think, if memory serves, it was a, it was a zoo called Twycross Zoo, uh, which is pretty famous in England. There's not that many zoos, not that many zoos anyway, frankly, in England, but uh, I don't think anyway. Uh, but do remember visiting Twycross Zoo, uh, which I quite liked actually, I quite liked visiting the zoo. Um, and my only other memory of a field trip was to visit HMS Victory down on the south coast, which was uh, Nelson's flagship. And even as a young kid, I was aware of 
just how little headroom there was in that ship back what, then. What type of ship was it? Was it was old wooden, you know, an old, old wooden oh, naval. Oh, like vessel. a frigate. Yeah, a frigate. Oh, gotcha. Yes, absolutely. And um, HMS Victory um, has gone under great restoration, uh, permanently dry docked, of course. But a beautiful piece of uh, naval architecture, for want of a better expression. But I was just amazed at how compact, how unbelievably small those old wooden fighting ships of the line used to be, quite frankly, back then. Yeah. Where else did you used to go on field trips? Uh, I'll tell you, one of, one of them is actually the best one we have ever went on that I, rec I recall, I think, this being the best. Uh, was in junior high. Now, again, we were living in Central Florida, and we went to the Kennedy Space Center for the day. Oh, wow. And this was a big one because we left at like 8 a.m. and weren't getting back until like 8 p.m. I mean, yeah. this was way beyond the normal school day. So it was a big to-do. So we all piled up on the buses. I can't remember how many were involved, but we went over to the Kennedy Space Center, and you go through like the museum area. And then uh, at some point, they take you on little shuttle buses out to see the launch pads yes which were fascinating and they and then the VA we weren't allowed to go in it I guess at different times you can or can't the VAB the vehicle assembly building okay, yeah. which um, it may still be the large it holds the largest capacity of any single building in the world it's it's so large that it gained it, it would they said it would atmospherically get its own clouds inside and sometimes rain inside because okay. it, it could it could build up enough they, right? they said that you could uh, put Yankee Stadium on top of it and still have room for parking. It was that big. Is and that you right? just saw it in the distance. And they yeah. had these huge, gigantic doors, these vertical doors that would lift up yeah. to allow the rockets to roll out on pads, on their little transportation pads. This was 83, so the, the space shuttle was a very big deal at that moment. And I think there was one inside at the time. But there was, because the, sometimes you'll be there and it may be, on its journey on the crawler going from that building to a launch pad, which yes. I, I'm not sure. I think it maybe goes three miles an hour. I was or just going like to say, it's crawl, a very crawler really is, yeah. the, is the way to describe it, isn't it? Yeah, so uh, <clears throat> we didn't, have to, didn't get to see a, a vehicle uh, that was ready for launch or being worked on uh, for security reasons, I guess, at yeah. that time. But we got to spend, you know, I'm sure they had some sort of movie visual presentation. Uh, and not to put you on the spot here, but was the VAB, was it built for the shuttle program? Or was no, I think it was built years before. Okay. Because, like, the, the yeah. there's some doors that were just extremely tall ver vertical doors, but they were made so the, the your Apollo-type rockets could come out. They didn't need to be wide right. because those things were pretty thin in the grand scheme of things. Sure, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm not sure when they built it. Mm. Wow. But, you well, know, the, the center was called the Kennedy John F. Kennedy Space Center. Yes. So, and I've experienced it. So when you describe um, the bus tours, uh, when you get to the effectively the central hub, and and the tours go off left, right, and center, uh, I've experienced that. I mean, in recent years, okay. I, I know I'm a, I can I can visualize what you're describing there, and um, yes, I I've never been inside the VAB building, a vehicle assembly building, but I can I can see it in my mind's eye. If I'm, if I, if, and if my mind's eye is, is serving me well, the building to have a huge stars and stripes yes. flag painted on it. Yeah, the flag's painted on it. Yes. it. I, yeah. I seemed like there was a, a some sort of star painted on it, as, as I recall. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah I'm sure the NASA logo's on it somewhere, yeah. too. I mean, I haven't looked at pictures of it in forever, but again, yeah, you but can pull that, them up right now on your yeah, phone as you're listening and see pictures of yeah, it. Yeah, there's no shortage of pictures. But I had no idea it had its own sort of, um, its own weather inside. Yeah, that's what they told us. They said, it will get our own clouds in there. So I'm like, well, that's pretty impressive. But again, I, I can't remember how, we were miles probably away from it, you yeah. know, and it was so, yeah. so you know, dominating the, 
the landscape. So, and then we spend time on the, you know, walking around, like say the, the inside museum area. They just kind of let us have free reign at some point. Well, there was the, the funny thing I remember, there was a display and the back of it was kind of like a moonscape of what the moon looked like. And it was like the front three, three quarters of a rover, you know, the, the, yeah. the cars they sent up there. Sure. And they had a mannequin sitting in it, you know, in full, the full outfit, Space the white outfit with the, yeah. the, the thing. And a, a friend of mine went over there and he was really looking over the suit, looking at all the little portals yeah. and stuff like that, you know, where the air attaches and all yeah. that stuff. And all of a sudden he found out quickly it wasn't a mannequin. The thing turned at him with, no kidding. <laughs> with his arms, his arms outstretched. <laughs> Scared the living bejesus out of him, because he was the guy. He was the guy that walks around during the day and will take pictures with you, and stuff like that. And well, he just kind of settled in there and stayed quiet for about ten minutes, waiting for somebody so to come funny. up. I would love to have seen that and uh, sent him uh, shrieking. Yeah. Boy, I can just see the astronaut suit now, and all those couplings—they were all anodized red or yep. blue, mm -hmm. right? Exactly. Yeah, look fantastic. And I'm always—I have to say—slightly disappointed when I see contemporary astronaut suits now that are used by astronauts on the way up to the uh, International Space Center, that's what it's called, isn't and it? Our space what Station. Space Station, that's, that's right. International Space Station, yeah. The, the, uh, the suits just don't look anywhere near as cool as the Apollo suits do. Well, you know, that, that mirrors Formula One. The suits today aren't near that's as cool right. as they were when they had all the patches and stuff. That's now they're right. these screen printed yeah. things that aren't near as interesting. Yeah, I, I always think that when I see these astronauts, as brave as they are setting out to uh, fly into space and they seem to be wearing sort of Wellington boots and I don't know they don't look quite as cool as they used to back in the Apollo days but yeah you're right time moves on and I'm sure this I'm sure contemporary suits are far more efficient yeah yeah but yeah that was a really one of my one of my favorite trips you know because again I mean I still remember you know we were it was in junior high so none of us were quite old enough to drive or anything so I just remember all the buses pulling in all the parents waiting to pick us up and finally take us home that evening yeah you know we had our little souvenirs and stuff i remember i bought uh, two plastic cups i tell you we use those plastic cups for probably 20 years really after that yeah there's a good size and eventually the logo just washed off in the dishwasher and all that but yeah always had them with me you know who well, knows what happened to them what a cool experience that must have been for you guys to go to the nasa operation Here's me on the other side of the Atlantic looking over thinking, really, seriously, you're visiting a space assembly building? This is fantastic. Well, I remember one time, and it, I think it was, a, just since we're talking about the Kennedy Space Center, we, we went, I think another time a few years later, but they were talking, and we went to a presentation where somebody, you know, actually did the presentation, and they showed the heat shield, and they put a torch on it, yeah. you know, and, and showed how hot it can get, but yet you can just touch it, like, a few seconds later. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, yeah I think it was, you, something like that. Cool. It absorbs the heat and dissipates yeah, yeah, it or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they were talking about uh, the, one of the landings or when it coming in, when they came in, in uh, I guess, California or Texas. California and Texas were the two landing spots, I think, for the That's right. shuttles. Because, remember, they always had to piggyback them right. on 747s to bring them back. But uh, the guy was up there kind of joking around. He's like, yes, you know, Captain so-and-so, you know, on his first you know, landing and stuff, and he had his mark, he was supposed to, you know, stop the, and he was pretty darn sloppy. He was 15, 15 inches off his mark. You know, you're talking about this massive, gigantic, you know, thing is the size of a, you know, massive airplane. And he said, yeah, he was 15, 15 inches off. From you know. outer space to 15 inches yeah. off. Yeah, so everybody got a good we'll chuckle. We'll give him that. Exactly. Yeah, one of the Formula One drivers gets 15 inches off. Well, that's a big deal. But yeah. when you when you when you, when you're landing from outer space, I think we'll give them 15 inches. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, that sounds like an absolutely fabulous experience to have gone to NASA as a 
The young man. Where else did you go to? I've got to, I've got to ask you because as I, I hardly used to go anywhere and neither did my, neither did my school friends because we just never had the budget to do it. Yeah, well, as we got into high school, one of, one of the, and people, again, anyone that's, that's listening that went to Leesburg High will always remember this. In science, because I must, I must have gone at least three times, there was always a field trip if you were in the right science class to the limnology lab. You know what a limnology lab is? No. Limnology, now I might, get, I might be getting this quite off, but limnology is the study of lakes. Did not know and their how they change and age and yeah. such like that. Well, I remember specifically. Is it, it's, it's, sorry for my introduction. Is it L I N and limb limnology 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 like, wow, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's L I M nology limnology limnology. Well, you learn something every day. So we would go there. I just was always in the right science classes where I probably went three out of four years. Mm. And one of the years we were in uh, Mr. Good's uh, environmental science class. Again, anyone from my era will remember Mr. Good. And what they, you'd, you'd go to the, the, the camp and they kind of do a little introduction thing. They have this like cabin. And then you'd go down and get on this uh, pontoon boat. Yeah. And they would take you kind of through these little kind of estuary things ahead. And you would stop there and you would have this di- round disks that was like, it was like the BMW Rondelay. Okay. But it was black and white. Okay. And what you were to do is you were to have a, a pad and a piece of paper, and it, it had uh, length on the rope, and you dropped it in the water slowly until you couldn't see the image. Okay. And then you mark it, and it gives you a reading of the clarity of the lake. Oh, right. Oh, yes, I see. So that. everybody, kids would do that and take their notes and stuff like that. And then at one point, and he always, he always you know, you said, always wear your old clothes because we're getting in the water. And you get in, you jump off the pontoon boat in water that was waist, waist well, no, waist, chest high. Wow. And you would trudge through, and the leader, the guy that ran the, the lab, I can't remember his name now, but he always had these waders because he did it all the time, you know, so he was keeping okay. dry. And so he waders. was dry, yeah. And they, but they would carry this, like, butterfly-type net, yeah. and they would catch different insects, you know, that were part of it, and then, you know, pull one out and show it to everyone. This is a so-and-so bug or whatever it was, yes. and it lives, you know, here in the reeds and da-da-da-da-da. So it was really kind of close up and one of Mr. Good's things he wanted you to really be immersed in the situation literally he would have every one of us dip down to our neckline in the water and he'd really? say now sit there quietly and enjoy your and, and, and acknowledge your surroundings and stuff and we're like going I don't know I wasn't kind of betting on this wow. <laughs> so you were sitting in this murky swampy kind of, so it's sort of l- lake water in central Florida. Zen and the art of limnology. I think that's what he's kind of getting <laughs> getting getting you to appreciate. But of course we were, you know, always come out soaked. Yeah. Know, period. Uh, each time we went to that thing. But uh, yeah, we went there like I say a few years and it was always a day out, you know, and, and yeah. A day away from school. So And 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 so I'm in awe of the amount of uh, the number of um, field trips as you chaps describe them as um, I don't know what we call them over on the other side of the Atlantic. We, w- we would not refer to them as field trips. I think just an outing, a day out, day, day away from school. I'm never sure we really learned an awful lot. But uh, yeah, how many? So how many per year would you guys get involved in? Was it like once or twice, or yeah, every once, month? Or? Once or twice, and there there might have there certainly might have been a year where I just didn't have one. Where I just my curriculum of yeah. classes I was taking didn't garner one yeah you know like i said you know just like any other city i've grown growing up we had a a uh, planetarium down there too and i remember going to that one uh, a few times i'm trying to think uh you know and then like i said we go back to the theater ones there's occasionally ones that were theater related and for example i was in the art club you know i was always involved in art through high school so yeah. we did one where we went to 
we went, it's, it's kind of a, almost an unsanctioned field trip. We went with the art teacher and went to uh, art museum in Deland, Florida. But Deland, Florida isn't too far from Daytona Beach. Okay. So we hit Deland and there, I can't remember, like five or six of us. And we went through the little art museum and saw the museum and it's like, you know, off to Daytona Beach for the rest of the day. <laughs> so we hung out there for the rest of the day, hanging out on the beach. Yeah, well, and that's I still, the art museum, Dumb. Yeah, and I, I still remember stuff you'd never do today. I remember coming back, riding in the back of the teacher's pickup truck with a folded out lounge chair, just in the back of the pickup, you know, flying down these back roads, you know. Well, nowadays, have changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, nowadays I wouldn't, I wouldn't even want to try it, but you know, good gosh. Yeah. But again, things were different things, 35 plus years ago. Things were so different, yeah. But it was always, you know, it was always one of the days you just most look forward to, you know. I bet. Getting away from school, doing something totally different, sometimes quite fun. Yeah, and were there many um, overnight field trips as well? No, there, no, there was. There's never, there's, I don't, that I didn't don't, happen. If there were, I was never yeah. involved in one. I can't think yeah. of one. So that used to happen on summer camps. I mean, I'm trying to learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so that would happen on summer camp, but it wouldn't happen during regular school events. No, yeah. the only time I remember ever uh, doing anything really overnight is when I was in the Scouts. Yeah. You know, we do a jamboree yeah. type of thing or something like that. Yeah. Now, uh, we would do that. Uh, we would often go away on camps with the Scouts and the Cub Scouts over in England. Yeah. Uh, and I enjoyed that very much. And as I said in another episode, I'm sure uh, I moved from the, from, the, from the Cub Scouts to the Scouts and into the um, Army Cadets. And uh, we used to go away on camps that. But not, see, our school trips were very, very far, uh, few and far between for sure. Thank you to our gentle listeners that have written in and shared their experiences about the odd subjects that we do talk about. Uh, but one reoccurring theme that always seems to crop up how folks appreciate what we talk about is that contrast between my early years growing up in England and your early years growing up in the United States and the contrast between the two. Yeah. Um, yes. And for those that have missed earlier episodes of, of Matches and the Other Guy, yeah, I grew up in, in England in the 1960s and 70s, and we talk about it being a comprehensive education, which was state education, which we all had to go through. Uh, but we just <laughs> we seem to be short of funds, short, short of funds for everything. But uh, yeah, I mean, I used to look across from one side of the Atlantic over to you guys over here and, and hear about field trips and see them on TV shows and think, wow, you guys got it made, you go away to all sorts of different things. Yeah, another interesting one that, um, it, it, and people throughout the country that are listening may not even know this This happens, but, and I, maybe they still do it, but back then, everybody in Florida, when you were a senior and about to graduate, they had something called grad night okay. at Disney World. No kidding. And it would start at about 8 p.m., 8 p.m. on a, Friday or Saturday night, yeah. and it would last till 8 a.m. the next day. It would last. It was all night at Disney World, and they did it over a few different nights because okay. they would bring in. I think every high school in Florida was eligible to attend. So, you know, one night it might be these counties are coming, and then the next night these counties because you can't have them all there at one time. It's yeah. just too many, and so they'd spread you out. But um, so, so yeah. what was the idea? Is you, you could enjoy the park over yeah. overnight. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now, of course, you bought a ticket. They weren't. Nobody was providing this for free. The, uh, this is amazing. The state, me. state, or local governments was not providing it for free. Nor was Disney World. But you bought a ticket, like you'd buy a ticket for the prom or whatever. You know, you're buying a ticket yeah. to attend. But I'm guessing. I mean, again, tell me if I'm wrong here. I'm guessing that that Disney helped with discounted tickets for this. Or I can't remember how much. They, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't anything outrageous. Yeah. From what I remember, I I don't even want to put a number on it. My school friends over in England. If we were having this conversation in the night, let's say it's night. 1971 instead of 2000, uh, 2021, and, and we were, you know, having this conversation. That you guys had, you'd gone to the Kennedy Space Center, you'd got into the Vehicle Assembly Building, all sorts of exciting trips with NASA. Oh, and by the way, we also used to go to Disneyland and spend the entire night at Disneyland. <laughs> We're well, looking, you're doing what now? <laughs> well, it gets even better. I mean. It does. Not only not only were you there, you know, you got to, to be at Disney all night long. They also had top bands there. Yeah. Our our year they had uh, this was '87, and they had four different performers that night and at different stages in the park. And one of them was Orange Juice Jones, the other was Ready for the World, uh, third one was Glass Tiger, which we did we, we saw them. Okay. My date and I and whoever we were hanging with we went to. It was kind of in Frontierland. They had a stage set up for them yeah. in Frontierland, and right in front of. Cinderella's Castle on the main stage right there, Wang Chung performed. So we saw Wang Chung as well. So not only, like I say, you get all that time in the oh. park, you get a, a couple of concerts while you're there. That's absolutely fabulous. What yeah. an experience that must have been. For oh, it was great. Now, yeah. the one thing, and I, 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 I applaud them for doing this, there was a strict dress code to do that. Like they would give you pamphlets, you know, at your school. Okay. You're, you're to men were to wear, or boys, boys, men, whatever, you know, at right. that age, uh, were to wear a shirt and a tie. Yeah. And it was like they, they even spelled out no bolo ties, which are those kind of Western rope ties. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah. So yeah they yeah. said no bolo tie. They had all these like, yes, yes, yeses, and no, no, nos, what you can and can't wear. Yeah. And they were they were picky about it. And you know that, that kind of keeps you know things in check a little bit. I think I can't remember what the girls were required to wear or whatever, yeah. but. Well, there's nothing wrong with dress code. Um, I, 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 we may have talked about this before, but did you have a school tie, a, a particular... No, we didn't have uniforms, remember? No, no uniforms, yeah. so no tie, no colours. You can say, our school is going to be green and white, or whatever it would be. Well, every every high school, I guess really every high school in the U.S. has their school colours. Yeah. And ours was orange and black. Uh, okay, orange yeah. and black. We, again, so, on Halloween, we looked really in place. <laughs> so, yes, I remember you telling me no school uniforms, but there was... There was no old school tie being issued either. So you, oh no 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 right no no, no not yeah. I, I can't even remember. I'm trying to remember what I wore. Um, I probably wore. I probably had a suit and something and maybe some skin. It was '80s, so probably some skinny black, skinny black <laughs> yeah. tie. It wasn't leather. I can yeah. say at least say that. In fact, I think that was one of the no's. No leather ties or something, which I wouldn't have worn anyway. That wasn't my scene. Yeah, um, you know, every every school will have usually green and white. You know, orange and black, orange and white, yeah. you know, as their colors. And generally, you see, you know, the cheerleader uniforms. Obviously, the you know athletic jerseys are those colors, and you know, all your yes paraphernalia, your pennants, your promotional little toy footballs, all that kind of stuff. So, is what so are the colors? All of your, and I've got to say, truly remarkable field field trips that you experience. I can hardly believe the things you used to do as a kid at school. What is your one that stands out above all others? You think, wow, I'm so pleased to have been on that particular field trip. I guess it, that had to be the Kennedy Space Center one. Yeah, yeah. Because again, it was it was all day and plus, you know, and we just, yeah. it was so fascinating. It was a great time because again, in 83, the, 
shuttle program was still kind of new. I think they've what had one up and down, maybe two. Okay, yeah. By so then. it's just yeah, it was all modern engineering. I mean, it was all cutting edge technology. Yeah, and obviously, if yeah. you're a student in, in that and was very interested in science, sure. you know, that was a great outing for you on top of everything. And it's just a, it was a fascinating era, you know. And my dad had been a you know mechanical and nuclear engineer and had worked yeah. on he'd worked on some NASA projects, but he was never allowed to talk about them. So. Yeah, what if what what tremendous experience? I mean, I've said that two or three times, but I, I uh, I'm so pleased for you to have experienced all of that, and it really does highlight the contrast between what was happening in England and what was happening in the United States. Well, I'll give you one more example, which really wasn't a field trip, but you'll get a kick out of this. Yeah. We we always had you know, and this was in junior high, and we had PE. Okay. And you know, it was either in the gym or it was out in the field, you know, track and, you know, the track and field area. And who knows what it was going to be, whatever day or whatever. Well, they had somehow set it up where some of times you would have bowling. So they would load you up on the bus and you'd go a couple of miles to the bowling alley. Yeah. And, and it was kind of like on your rotation, you know, like it was your turn to go bowling or not. Well, at least two or three times, I would just get on the bus to go bowling because I'd much rather do that than anything they were doing on the track or in the in the gym. And I always think it's like, it's like that it's that scene in Fast Times Ridgemont High when when Spicoli's coming on coming in and he goes, "Are you in my class?" I am today, and that was me. I would jump on there and go off and go, but nobody ever said a word to me. You know, I would we'd get back and make it to the next class and. And that was it. You you you're on the bus. You went bowling. Had a good I had, had a school. much better time going bowling for 50 minutes or an hour. And I did whatever they were going to do. Heck, they probably missed out on just calisthenics or something. So. Well, gentle listener, I, I, I'm going to. Anyone that's unfamiliar again with with what comprehensive education was like in in England, I, I encourage you to go to YouTube and just look up the soccer match, uh, the soccer match or football match from the movie Kes K E S, and uh, I know those clips are on YouTube because I've watched them. At, that will give you the perfect idea of what my education was like in England. So you can fully appreciate why I'm in awe of what you, Kevin, have experienced and your school pals over Well, I have, I have seen that clip, and I believe our listener is going to come out with a little more sympathy for my co-host. <laughs> yes, rough times it was indeed, but you know, I, hey, that's the way it was. And we, we all survived. I'm sure we got on to better things, or at least well, I hope to believe some of us have gone on to better things. Well, I think, I think those, those out there that think uh, British education was a lot like Harry Potter are kind of <laughs> a little... Not so much. Not yeah. so much in my experience. Of course, there were the very expensive private, as we called it over in England, private education, uh, which were known as public schools. That's really which I still am baffled yeah. that it's the absolute opposite of what we call them here. That's you know? the fun of the language for you. Yeah. Public schools, private education, yeah, they exist. Those uh, very well-heeled and exclusive schools do most certainly exist, but for the vast majority of us over in England, it was a very different experience. Well, for for the benefit of the listener uh, in England, what is like the top? What is the the one? And do they do all grades? You know. Yeah. Well, the one that always stands out to me is uh, Eton. Eton is. I've heard possibly, of that. Is that where the royal family yeah, then goes I'm and sure, such? Yes, that's that's probably the one well-known public school private Yeah, I've definitely education. heard the name. Yes, and at one time, from leaving Eton and those other well-known public schools, because I don't really know much about it because I never experienced it, you would leave and go up to Oxford or to Cambridge, but and that was considered still very elitist education. And to an extent, I suppose it still carries that 
if you like, that stigma of being elitist. But I, I, I want to believe that Oxford and Cambridge, the two great university cities of England, are a lot more democratic than ever they used to be. And entry is based on skill level and aptitude as opposed to just being from the right family or going to the right school. Uh, I want to believe that, but again, I'm not, I'm not, I've not been to Oxford or Cambridge. Well, they do need, they need to nurture the next great scientists and great mathematicians and the great uh, you know, poet yeah. laureates and stuff that yeah. need to come out of these systems. Yeah. So. And they're always, um, the colleges take an awful lot of uh, international students because it is tremendously good business as well uh, for the colleges. But um, oh, I've always been fascinated by, again, I never went through that system, but I've always been in awe and to a degree in love with the city of Oxford when I just walk the streets of Oxford and see these just magnificent college buildings that have been a working college for a thousand years. It's just something inspiring to see that. You know? And many of the colleges will throw open their doors uh, and allow visitors and you can walk the buildings and uh, you just mentioned Harry Potter but quite a few of the scenes from Potter uh, from Hogwarts are filmed in, the, in Oxford colleges. Okay. Yeah, the, uh, I think uh, the Bodleian Library, if I remember right, I think the Bodleian Library played host to Hogwarts Infirmary when Harry is injured playing Quidditch. Uh, that beautiful old building with the beds in there, I think that's part of the Bodleian Library system. But anyway, I don't know why we got onto that, but um, the, the highlights the difference between American education and English education. But uh, yes, it was it was um, an odd experience for us that were. Uh, blue-collar working-class folks and there was an awful lot of us but again we survived it we didn't do bad out of it the university of life as they say yes which sometimes is you know can have more valuable results anyway you know yeah. experience has its own rewards and in, in spades so there you go well i and to take nothing away i don't want to I, I don't want to belittle college education at all i don't want to appear sour about it because i didn't experience it but i do feel that an experience of life is as important as a college education to a large degree. I do feel that sometimes, I, f I just feel, and I might be wrong here, that university can, can educate folks to be extremely knowledgeable in a very small slice of the cake of life. But those same folks can appear somewhat lost about what happens away from academia. And I think Perhaps the School of Hard Knocks gives us more of a rounded approach to life. But, but that might be just me well, because I never experienced yeah. college life. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the same person could design a whole defense missile system, yet a, a microwave oven baffles them. You know, how do, how do I not burn my popcorn? It burns every time, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> yes. Well, I suppose in conclusion, though, all we can say is all of our experiences, whatever they may be, whether it's me, over in England visiting HMS Victory and being amazed at how small and compact that wooden ship of the line used to be and uh, your experiences of going to NASA and and evenings at Disney it just it's it's the experience it all makes us who we are right it just makes us who we are those experiences form who we're becoming later life yeah and it just goes to show how regional it is like I've never had a chance to see a, a 
old frigate boat, you know, our ship, as yeah, you, yeah, obviously. That's, yeah, but that's, that's very true. That's very fast. I didn't even think about, you know, being able to see one in person. Yes, like I, yes I suppose it's a matter of just being open to experiences and being, again, we're getting on a bit of a philosophical study here, but I think that idea of just being open to new experiences and being prepared to ask if you're unsure about something and learn from others that have experienced whatever it would be is the way that we should all advance in life. Am I wrong in that, do you think? Am I, am I missing something there? No. Yeah, I like that idea. Well, we better think about... What were we talking about before? <laughs> oh, it's field trips, that's right, yeah. Well, now, the we... topic is field trips. <laughs> we, we got lost a bit there, didn't we? Not too bad this time, not too bad. Yeah. Well, we better think about wrapping this up, haven't we? Yeah, starting to actually get uh, light coming through. I think we're gonna, you know, it's still drizzling a bit, but yeah. uh, the weather survived. seems to be on the improving side. Yeah, we've survived the storm, I think. Well, I think it's somebody else's storm, as my uncle said many, many years ago to me. Somebody else's storm. We've, we've, we just caught the tail end of it, I think. Yeah. And the geese remain quiet. Yeah. Well, I forgot any. Well, I can't even see them. They're across the lake by the boathouse now. Oh, I see them the, over there. The, yeah. the neighboring boathouse across yeah. the way. Join us again, gentle listener. I hope you enjoyed that, by the way. That was a bit of a rumbling one, that for me. I'm sorry about that. Uh, join us again, gentle listener, on another episode of Mashing the Other Guy. That was fun. I like that. Bye yeah. for now. Bye. Toodles.